Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Welcome to our last episode of this season of the Artian Podcast. This time we are going to talk about future, creativity, about art exhibitions that started in the desert, moved to space and now, now they are on quantum computers at Google. Forrest Stearns, a dear friend of ours, an artist, an adventurer, speak with us about innovation, creative permission in business, and why he works quite often with scientists. Let's start. We are being told to choose between the left and right brain, between studying art and engineering, between creative and analytical thinking. Our society tells us that art and business are not connected. But what if society is wrong? What if it misleading us? The good news is that understanding what art is can bring us to a new revelation. Art does matter in innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. And with the help of this podcast and its guests, you as well will learn that art is not an object. Art is a mindset. You are listening to the Artian Podcast with me, Nir Hindi. Hey, podcast listeners. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays wherever you are listening from. I can't believe that 2020, this crazy year, is about to finish. I felt that today's episode is the right one to finish the first season of the Artian Podcast. It speaks about art, space exploration, human missions, and quantum computing. Those topics touch our future, our creativity, and there is no better person than my dear friend, Forrest, to talk about this. As a preparation for this podcast, we interview and record seven more interviews with ex-colleagues of Forrest in Planet and current ones in Google. We have such excellent materials that we will release these interviews as bonus tracks to this episode. So even though it is the last official episode, we do have more surprises for you. Before we start, I want to say big thanks to Cyrus, Briand, Ben, Eric, Joe, Tara, and Andrew for taking the time and speaking with me. And with that, I want to welcome Forrest. Hey, Forrest, welcome to the Artian podcast. Thank you, Nir. What a pleasure to be here today. Can you introduce yourself briefly? I am an illustrator who loves doing big work. I have an MFA in fine art illustration, and I was constantly cross-pollinating between drawing and street art, graffiti, and what historically happened in art. I'm a family man. I get a lot of inspiration from my daughter and my partner. We're constantly out adventuring in nature, and I find that I have to bring that connection to nature and the artistic adventure back into all of the art that I do. So you are an artist and you are a father that's inspired by nature and adventure. Maybe I will give kind of an introduction, not an introduction, but the story how both of us actually met each other. So I read about you a few years ago. And with my curiosity, I sent you an email and probably it kind of was a dating issue because you didn't reply to my emails for a few uh, months until you replied. And then we did a kind of a very short interview. But then I contacted you again and I told you, Forrest, we are organizing Art and Technology Vertical in Spain's biggest summit. And I want you to come and speak. It is an honor to open up the fourth edition of the South Summit in Madrid. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Forrest Stearns. And you came over here and we had an amazing few days. You spoke in this conference. It was a great experience. And since then, we have very dear friendship. That, and for that, Forrest, I want to say thank you. Now, 
you have been living in the world of art, but you also mix it with the world of technology and startups. You have been working with so many exciting companies. Some of them we will speak in a second. Always evangelizing art inside these companies. One of your first adventures was at DeviantArt, an online community for artists featuring artworks, videography, and photography. What did you do in uh, DeviantArt? Tell us a bit about your experience there. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. After my adventure in, as an MFA, getting my Master's of Fine Art and studying illustration, I knew that I, I needed to have a future where I could connect making big artwork, connecting people, drawing, and trying to build a career out of that. So I landed a production at DeviantArt where I did a giant live art piece at a big festival representing DeviantArt, and that was in. That spun into beta testing for a drawing tool and starting to build a community around the world using that drawing tool as the principal artist there. And that spun into being the art director of the brand for a while, which was totally new to me, but also very similar because once again, it was connecting to the people and really relying upon the story of let's practice artwork rather than making the end point. Like what is it connects all artists? Whether you're great, whether you're learned, whether you're naive, whether you're folk, it's the practice of art. So that has become the common thread through all of my art. And it's really even my moniker now is draw everywhere and practice. It leads to kind of a spin-off collaboration between you and a visionary entrepreneur. And you created together a project called Galactic Jungle Cars. How the experience, first of all, to work with this entrepreneur and how, what is this project, Galactic Jungle Cars, which, by the way, I love the name. <laughs> well, the camp is called Galactic Jungle. But to step that back a little bit, at DeviantArt, I had the honor to become friends with the founder, Angelo Sotira. And he is a dear human who is amazingly passionate about art and community. He has lived and breathed making art for his Most of his career has been wrapped around this. He reached out to me almost immediately and said, "Hey, I have some friends that I we go to Burning Man together. We want to make some art cars. Can we work together? Forrest, can we see those cars somewhere? Do we have pictures or videos that we can maybe share with our listeners? Yeah, I've got some beautiful pictures of the productions of the pieces. I designed the cars. I had the fabricators. build out the cars and then I was able to paint the cars when they were finalized and put the final touches on them as the art director. So it was definitely a joy to work on a project that then got sent into the world and brought a lot of other people joy. Listeners who are interested to see it, we will post those pictures on the episode the page. Make sure to check it later and see these beautiful five animal inspired uh, cars. So Forrest, You took a very different step after this adventure and you move from the desert of Burning Man to space. You have become a space artist. First and foremost, what is a space artist? Good question. Well, the transition from Burning Man to space artist was a very natural step for me. I met a gentleman who had a startup for small satellites and And listened to a talk he gave at a conference up way up deep in the mountains and he spoke about the connection between space and humanity and exploration and using space to help life on earth with small satellites and you know I'm not a scientist I didn't study science 
but I am definitely inspired by scientific thinking and mathematics. And I've done a lot of reading as an adult rather than in my studies about the topics. And when I find people that are highly educated in a unique field, it's kind of like finding a really weird, awesome, unique, eccentric artist. I just want to listen and be part of that and work with that person or that team. So I met this gentleman, Robbie Shingler, and asked him point blank if I could paint on his satellites. Once again, going back to my roots of wanting to draw everywhere, I asked him, he's a total stranger, but instead of saying no, he said yes. And that audacious ask in deep in the mountains, under the redwoods with the sun beaming through, smelling like heaven, that was my next step. You know, that spun from me wanting to draw on one spaceship, having no expectations to the next five years of my life, joining a company in San Francisco. And as the company started to build dozens and then hundreds and then multi-hundreds of spaceships, these small satellites to send to space, I was in charge of making the art that went on the sides of them. I was in charge of how can we put beautiful artwork on the rockets that we're sending to space. We have beautiful radio domes that cover the satellite dishes that speak to the satellites as they fly by at seven kilometers a second. Let's put art on those radio domes. We have getting into multiple offices and we put art all over the offices. So, so wait, 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 wait. Before, before we're rushing into to the story behind the planet, okay. for the people that are not familiar, planet is actually, I don't know if we can call it startup anymore because it's not a startup anymore. I think they have more than 500 employees. Planet was basically starting as a satellite company. And now I think the only company in the world that map or take picture of Earth every day and they have more than 250 satellites roaming in the low-altitude atmosphere. Now, I want to go back. When did you join Planet? When did I join? Well, it was around employee number 25 that I was added to the conversation, and I didn't really know what it meant to be employee number 25 of a startup. To me, it was just about, hey, I want to join a team of super-motivated people to put art on a place that I had never put it before. Has a graffiti artist ever put art in space? Has a fine artist ever figured out how to put fine art in space and have an art show? Those were the questions that I had. So I think it's a very important question because every entrepreneur that listen to us uh, know that when you build a company, it's so difficult and everyone is so focused on getting the clients and getting right the product and getting the market product fit and Every employee in the company is so important. Every salary is so crucial that to hire an artist when you are 24 people, that's a big decision. And in my, in my own humble opinion, it's a great vision. When every entrepreneur struggles to find the market product fit, you have an entrepreneur like Robbie that say, wait, I need to bring another spice into this salad or the, what I'm cooking over here. And he brings you as an artist. And I think, and in a second we will touch it, coming up as the 25th employee has a lot of influence on the culture and the dynamic inside the company. But before we will speak about your influence and how you actually change the culture, I want to ask you why you wanted to paint in space. Hmm, good question. Well, you know, stepping back, the architecture and trajectory of my career 
always was about where can I draw next? What can I put art on next? Who can I work with next that will be inspiring to me and want to make bigger, more robust projects than I can do personally? What's the connection to the beauty of art in practice? And when I met Robbie, it was really that drive of, I would love to take on this challenge and see what putting art on a spaceship would be like. And it was really, how can I get up in this new space and maintain my own personal practice and humble nature and want to work with people? So it was amazing. I didn't know what space art was. I didn't know what I was stepping into. The fact that I asked a gentleman if I could paint on his spaceship and he said yes and I shook hands with him, I probably peed in my pants a little bit because it was so like a wow moment of, damn, I just asked for it and he said yes. Now, what does that even mean? And thankfully, he said yes and he said, show up right after Burning Man. We'll be brushing the dust off our clothing and getting back to work in September. Show up on September 1st, bring your stuff and let's see what happens. Five, four, three, two. Planet operates the largest commercial constellation of very high resolution satellites, capturing imagery multiple times a day, providing unprecedented visibility and intelligence. Act now with Planet and be ready for the change the world brings. I want to ask you, you, sh- you come after Burning Man, you show up in September, and then you are coming and you have 24 rocket engineers and satellite engineers and software developer. And I wonder how people in the company accept you. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm gregarious and a kind human. Uh, on the flip side of that, I'm also a little bit shy. And when I meet people, I like to listen and I like to pick up my sketchbook and draw and get a feeling for the conversation and what's happening. It's kind of like I'm fishing for the opportunity to strike and to be part of a conversation rather than needing to be the center of attention at first. And I've always been that way. And in this cer- certain situation, I showed up with a giant canvas and had talked with the operations uh, person and the individual who was in charge of the layout of the office and said, you're going to set up right here. And as a live artist, I was like, cool, this was going to make a lot of impact if everyone sees a giant canvas right here. So I showed up with this canvas and I'm drawing and I didn't get the reception I thought I was going to get. I got a reception of hearing engineers over my shoulder saying, who is this guy? We don't need an artist. We need more engineers. Like I said, there was around 20 people in the, in the room. It was a small office at the time, you know, very, very fun and energetic on the first day, but a bit of apprehension because who's this artist guy? So it's needed to spin up from there. I, I thought that I had hit rock bottom immediately and it was nothing but upward trajectory from there. Not because I had anyone handing me opportunities, but because they gave me permission to show up as a human and as an artist. And I came really correct with starting amazing paintings and good technique and a good vision and good communication to work with them and say, what's the point here? What's the intention? Why are we doing this? And I asked all the dumb questions. And I asked a lot of questions that they wouldn't have normally been asked by other engineers and venture capitalist founders and different people honoring the situation who knew it. I was an outsider. And bringing in that diverse, different experience really was beneficial at first because they said, wow, you're bringing light to this. It took me a couple of days and a lecture to get them 
on the same line as what I was envisioning. And I had no idea what I was envisioning. I had just asked to paint on spaceships and I didn't even know what that meant. So, you know, for every artist out there, ask for permission. And if you get, if you step into something that you don't know, just lean in and do your best work, you know? So it took a little bit, it took through the week to get on my feet and figure out what even, what even I was thinking about doing there. You know, I took the time to kind of speak with your colleagues and I want us to listen what they had to say. Yeah, great idea. I'm Tara O'Shea and I lead forest and land use programs here at Planet. I joined Planet after Forest and I was fortunate to work directly on a team with Forest. And I think one of the first things that, that struck me, you know, I think when we think about the intersection of art and technology, We often think about inspiration around engineering, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And at Planet, that certainly holds true when we look at the sorts of innovations that, that Planet is bringing to both hardware and software and, and, and the role of, of art and all of that. But what really struck me about what Forrest was doing, you know, even back in 2016, the sort of data sets that Planet was starting to produce were totally unprecedented. And I think this is the case at a lot of technology companies, you're building something that hasn't existed before. And so it's not just about building that thing, it's also about inspiring others to understand what you can do with that thing, inspiring others who you know, might have specialties in other fields and, and find ways to apply your technology in ways that you couldn't even see yourself. Um, and so I really thought forest work was critical in helping inspire and communicate what might be possible with the data sets that are coming from this new technologies. I'm Ben Haldeman and I'm founder of LifeShip. And what we're doing is we're sending DNA to the moon. I made friends with Forrest pretty, pretty early on and he, he started doing big canvases and then like putting the designs on the side of the satellites. And, and I think at first, like I, I don't know, maybe I thought as is like a little decoration on the side and mostly like, like something cool around our lab. But then like I, I started to see how he was getting in there and like awakening creative aspects of like the team and uh, getting us to see it more as a core part of what we were doing. And for me, it, it really just started to give me more, yeah, more permission to just like keep putting more attention into, okay, how do we, how do we make this all more like a, a canvas and bring more beauty into all we're doing and make it simple and elegant and just like think, think through like, what does it naturally want to want to be and evolve towards? So one of the first projects was to paint these satellites. Now it's a very small satellite, uh, you call it the Dove. When I visited you in the office in Silicon Valley, in a second I will add about the energy that I experienced, but it was such a beautiful piece of hardware, in a way a new type of art. Those satellites that I saw over there, and you took all those satellites and you painted them. Now for our listeners, they need to understand that color doesn't hold in space. So immediately you had an idea to paint on space, but your basic material doesn't function. What do you do then? Yeah. And as, as I talked about in the TED talk I gave, the ambition to paint on a satellite needed to change. I needed to figure out how I could take an artwork that I would normally put on a canvas or on a wall 
here on earth, I had to figure out how did that artistically translate in a utilitarian sense, in a media sense, onto a spaceship. So there's a lot of learning that I needed to do fast. And like any company that's making a piece of hardware, you've got a whole bunch of engineers that are making this widget as efficient and as effective and as streamlined and as, as e easily possible to scale. So the satellites were no different than that. And this group of engineers, these guys and girls were making these things that were beautiful in their utility, but they weren't saying anything visually to someone who didn't understand that the nature of that utility. And so I wanted to make them more beautiful and approachable and inspiring to the outsider and even the people on the team who maybe didn't design them. So how do you paint on a spaceship? Well, you don't paint on a spaceship, I found out. And I found this out because I wanted to make a stencil and, and paint on a spaceship. And they said, nope, that's going to evaporate in space. And I said, well, what if I draw on there with Sharpie? And they said, well, nope, the radiation will probably fade on there. Or what if I just use, you know, traditional acrylics? And they said, nah, your paint's going to peel because this is being baked by the sun and frozen on the dark side of the earth. And so all of these variables, like, damn, I've never had to deal with any of these problems or issues before these challenges and you know truly that's when my the type of art that I do really shines is I have challenge in front of me and I want to create a, a new unique solution no matter what the medium is I want to draw on that thing and I'm going to draw on that thing and it could be whatever so I stepped back to my roots my mother was a glass engraver my whole entire life and my dad was a builder. So I watched them make things from materials that didn't normally get made into those things that they made. My mom engraved glass, so I was like, damn, I can engrave on these spaceships. And instead of adding material, I can subtract. That was my moment. That was my aha point. I'm gonna engrave these things. Luckily, my buddy had a laser etcher. So after I engraved the number three satellite, that went to space by hand and slapped those side panels on the spaceship. The next set of satellites was 25 or 28 satellites. And I laser etched a painting onto all of them in parts. So I parsed out this beautiful painting that I did of migratory animals and laser etched it on in horizontal bands. So all of those migratory animals would be looking back at earth. We also put artwork on the solar panels, which was silk screened high intensity PCB ink silkscreen. And that had never really been done in this occurrence. The people who made the- Do you have images yeah, of this so we yeah, can share it yeah, as yeah, well? You can see the image of the silkscreened uh, illustration graphic on there. We got a, a message back from the people who manufactured the satellite, the wings, and they said, hey, we think you spilled ink on these wings panels, these solar panels, because there's some sort of marks on here. And we said, no, that's art. That we meant to do that. And so that was kind of a funny situation of, you know, artists and engineers wanting to be creative and the industry itself was trying to say, hey, we think you messed up. And we're like, nah, we didn't mess up. This is on purpose. This is our style. So you are living over there in your office or your space next to the engineers. And I wonder, how do you think your presence actually influenced their work? Well, I, sh I work really hard and really fast and really big in this instance. So it's hard to avoid what I was doing 
And immediately when I showed up with the giant canvas, I got to work right after we had our first introductory lecture that I gave. And we decided that the first art show in space was going to be themed on migratory animals. Why not draw animals on spaceships? Back to my notion of I want to be, I want to celebrate nature. And so everything lined up. So that was the theme. And I made three big paintings, graphic of migratory animals. So everything was working out. If you can't, if you can't baffle them with knowledge, at least, you know, baffle them with the awe-inspiring duende of a piece of artwork. And so that was my jam. I brought the graffiti sensibility of make it big, make it fast, make it graphic and put it in front of them. And then I figured it out how to put it on the spaceship. So all these things lined up. The company didn't know it was going to be an earth imagery company. It wanted to be like any startup, huge ambitions. At first I started, I put art on the number three satellite and then we started launching flocks of satellites and then dozens of satellites and then more and more and more into the hundreds. So, you know, it's worth saying that in the beginning, we were a spaceship hardware company, very much a sexy space company. And when I left five years later at 500 employees around there, you know, we definitely still felt like the same company, but we were a big company by then. And we were an earth imagery company that wasn't about telling the story of space anymore. We were a, hey, let's take pictures of the whole earth every day. And as we'll get into, I was the first artist of the artist in residency program. I founded it. I wrote the program, wrote the contracts, documented my style. And then I wanted to pass it on and say, what's next? This isn't about me as Forrest Stearns, the artist. This needs to be about what is the common conversation of the company and how is art influencing that common conversation for the better? So Forrest, I want to ask you, do you think your presence influenced their work or how do you think maybe your presence over there among those engineers and scientists influenced what they are doing? That's a good question, Nir. And I'm, I honestly have a hard time with this question. I don't like to be boastful about my own influence on anything. But so perhaps you should ask one of my colleagues about that. But I will say that the influence that I had inspired a fresh perspective. It inspired a diverse conversation that may not have been totally intuitive. It inspired questions that weren't normally expected, like, hey, how can we make this more beautiful? Why is this designed this way when it could look more like this? If this is called a dove, why doesn't it look like a dove? Is If this needs to go in space, why doesn't it do this? I was asking all these non-linear questions and providing a fresh way to see things. Uh, the amount of collaboration that happened out of the gate was really inspiring to the team where I started working with different silos of teams and asking them about their influence. One of the things that immediately was an influence was the employees would take me back to their own workstations and tell me all about the work that they were doing. And then I would bring them to the art station and tell them all about the work that I was doing and the problems that I was needing to solve in order to make this thing beautiful and the vision that I had to translate it to the spaceships and the themes and the subject matters and the compositions. So it was definitely an organic conversation in the works that inspired collaboration throughout the team. So, you know, Forrest, I took your advice and I know you don't like to speak about yourself. So I went to speak with your colleagues. 
let's hear what they have to say about your influence. Hey Joe, can you introduce yourself briefly? Sure, I'm happy to. I'm a tropical ecologist and a remote sensing scientist. And I'm director of science programs at Planet. Uh, and so most of my job involves uh, coordinating scientific engagement in the university sector. You meet an artist inside a satellite company. What is the first thing you have in mind? It was inspiring. Yeah, I, I vividly remember my first tour of the office. Of course, there's a lot of dazzling technology that I learned about. But uh, Forrest was kind of standing in a room with some engineers and, you know, a number of his pieces of art were on the walls. And I remember <laughs> getting a quick check in on, on what art on a satellite panel looks like, which is something that had never occurred to me before. So the idea of putting art on satellites, which was kind of Forrest's original reason for being at Planet. And um, yeah, it was really inspiring and I would say surprising. My name is Brianne Montero. I'm a mechanical engineer. I design satellites and I'm also an artist. I had always thought of sort of an engineering firm being this very, I guess, sort of like linear and um, controlled environment where everyone sits in their cubicle and office and does their independent sort of like math and science. And I came into um, Planet and Forrest was there and he was creating art in the middle of this open office space and he had these huge canvases and I would walk by and he was he was one of the people that I felt the most comfortable talking to when I first got there. I, I found some sort of like solace in being able to like connect with him while doing, this was my first job in engineering. I had done an internship at NASA, but this was my first like real job doing engineering and, and having that ability to connect with him on this like different creative level was really um, inspiring and also comforting. I think having artists in residence, it adds this sort of feeling of freedom and, and definitely contributes to this like creative energy, like you were saying. And I think the type of company that would have an artist in residence is also going to want to give the employees that sense of freedom and that like availability of creative space and time. Forrest, in one of the conversations we had, you spoke about how Robbie saw your importance for developing this community and culture in, inside the company, inside Planet. And I want to ask you, what did you do exactly to create this community? What did you do to create this culture that brings people together? Well, I don't want to take credit for building the culture or building the community. The inherent drive to make this space company happen is amazingly intoxicating to be part of. When you're part of a startup, I feel that you have this urge to conquer the world and to, to be to change the world, to be better humans. And I just happened to find myself in that conversation, which was beautiful. The way that I was able to add to that, let's change the world, is I was able to help people articulate how it looked to change the world from to the outside audience and to each other. You know, quite often you have teams of people that don't work well together or don't know how to communicate cross topic. And when you're making art and having art nights, you can get to know each other on a very fun and sober and exciting manner. That, that's what the art brings. The art brings fresh perspective and inspiration 
and excitement that maybe looking at your computer all day doesn't bring. There's a beauty to good code. There's a beauty to writing a beautiful coded language. I admire that and I see that. But quite often, people don't see that, they're, that they are making something creative. So when I show them a painting and tell them my strategy towards succeeding at a painting, and then they take me back and I see the beauty in their code, it helps the common conversation. It helps everyone think a little bit more abstractly and weirdly. And what are some of those activities that you did? We would have art nights. And the art nights that we would have would be kind of social hours that got people together with lectures and lessons and classes and examples of what is the art world doing right now? What are these specific themes being explored in art? And can we do them as well? So many people across the world say, wow, I'm not an artist. Well, what I did was provide artistic creative permission for people to not need to be great artists. They just needed to show up and try to explore. This is what I did at DeviantArt. Let's, let's give permission to practice. So at Planet, I pulled from the same game and said, let's give permission to practice. And it turned out that many people loved to make art. At first, there was apprehension. And how I broke that apprehension was I had people give me their favorite quotes and I hand wrote their favorite quotes on the spaceship in my own handwriting because I love a good handwriting. I love so, writing. So, so wait, there are some employees now, there are some people in the world that have a satellite in space with their quotes. I don't know a lot of people that can say they have a satellites with their quotes on the space, right? I mean, tell us some yeah. of those quotes. The quotes that I got, some were gorgeous philosophical pieces, stanzas from poems, some were epic haikus, and some were super duper silly, you know, comedic. And that showed me that, wow, this team may not be able to articulate itself through drawing, because that was my jam, but they are funny and they do have a soul. Some of them were, help, I'm stuck in a satellite factory, or... Who let the doves out? Or YOLO, you only launch once. So in this situation, <laughs> you know, how, how can we bring out the soul and the spirit of the people that speak their own unique science language or technology language or entrepreneurial language? The, the key to me was I knew that I wasn't the most creative person in the room. And I also knew that I could probably draw better than everybody. The challenge for me was how can I get people to step into their own creative permission and find inspiration in the duende of making art, of looking at art, of talking about art, art making and traditional art and have lectures and classes to get people involved. To me, it's not important if people can do it great. To me, it's important if people do it and it helps them shine. At least try. And, you know, yeah, to try. And they're showing up to do their best work to put, to put this technology in a place where it's never been and create these algorithms and software models that have never happened before. Like, great, if you're going to show up in front of a canvas that has nothing on it, it's very similar. You're looking into this nothingness to create something from the abstract into something that is real and that says something to an intention. So going from the quotes on satellites that got everybody involved that wanted to be involved. And of course, there was always people who were genius wallflowers that had no problem with the program and, and loved that it was happening, but they just chose to watch from afar. And I like to stoke that as well and try to get them involved. And then I said, all right, a couple of years in, many hundreds of satellites later, I said, all right, we're going to start having art nights where I'm going to invite your family 
and your kids and your community and your moms and your dads and your grandmas to make art with us so we can put that art on spaceships. Beautiful. We had art nights at our new office that you came and visited that was much bigger and much more apt to have social gatherings. And we would have gatherings of people who brought their favorite people to make drawings to put on spaceships. And like teachers that I have had that have said to me, like, you don't need to be the best right now. Just show up and make, make work that represents you and say what you need to say, what you want to say through this drawing, through this sketch. And we had some of the most beautiful pieces put on spaceships that I didn't draw which was rad. I didn't want to be the only artist there. I wanted it to be a collective mission. I wanted it to be a community mission that connected people. I had a woman who said, hey, I watched Sputnik go to space and I was very afraid of it. And she drew her own driver's license to put on the side of a spaceship because she said, wow, this makes me not want to be afraid of space anymore. She grew up apprehensive about space and then she got to put her own image and her own ID on a spaceship and said that that made her trust space and inspired by space again. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it's a great example how you can actually create a culture and build a community. Everyone speak about how important it is to have your employees engage, how important it is to have this sense of belonging. But not a lot of the founders and business managers that I know see the art as this space, as the potential to actually create a blank canvas that everyone can contribute and not to be led by who, who they are in their professional role. I'm not the CEO, I'm not the lead engineer, but everyone comes to the blank canvas what you did even better with their kids and family to create something beautiful, really, uh, Forrest. I love this uh, project and I think it's a just kind of straight to the point example how artists can contribute to the vibe of company. And Forrest, because you gave me also the permission, I went to speak with more colleagues of yours and I asked them what they think about how you contributed to this community and culture. And I want to let our listeners hear what they had to say. Awesome. Hey, I'm Andrew Zali, and I oversee what we call global impact programs at Planet. All the work we do on social and ecological and humanitarian issues, I touch in one way or another. Art at Planet is actually under your supervision. Is that correct? Yeah, the Art at Planet program uh, involves lots of people at the organization. It's not one person's job, but uh, I have a significant role in, in moving that program forward. We really think that that art has three big roles. One is uh, it humanizes our mission and it, it allows everybody in, on earth to say, well, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a computer scientist. I'm not an artificial intelligence expert, but you know, I love to draw. I think in creative terms, this gives people a way in. Uh, that's really important. A, a second reason is that it amplifies our own culture. It makes us more creative to have creative people around who don't think like AI experts and scientists and technologists. And the third one is that it makes our organization um, more attractive. It's a, it's a distinctive thing that we do. So it's a way of pulling new and different talents into our organization, even as we're trying to communicate this complicated mission to the world. Here is Joe again. I'll tell you a story about one event. So we hosted a primary school, basically grade, grade school students 
so around the ages of eight or nine, for a science fair some years ago. And we did a bunch of different sessions with them. Mostly it was engineers and aerospace folks running, engineers teaching them how to use rockets. They basically sat and drew art, which you know wasn't revealed to them until kind of halfway through that basically a couple of those pieces were selected and laser etched on spacecraft and went to space. Wow. Um, and I think watching these younger students engage with that idea that their own art would be orbiting the earth potentially was really inspiring and quite delightful. And, and it was a really fun event for the company to be involved in, I think, because so many people, so many other employees inside the company were involved in. It absolutely can bring people together. My name is Cyrus Foster. I'm, um, I'm an aerospace engineer. Why would you recommend having an artist in residence? I'd say there, there are a few reasons I can think of. For one, j just having the artist, ha having somebody creative making art in the office, even if you're not you know, involved with that or, or you don't even interact with that on a personal level, it still provides inspiration for the company. You know, if something's being created, something's being worked on and, and it kind of lightens your day and builds a promise to a better future. But also uh, other than that, I mean, for one, you know, your art is being created for the company that the company can can put up and as showpieces to tell the story of behind the company and show visitors. So it's, it's building an art gallery relevant to the company. And, and lastly, you know, something that I, I benefited from on a personal level was just opportunity for employees to dabble in art themselves and, and to, to never be involved with art than to get involved in art. So I, I saw that as a great perk of the company, even though it was maybe not what, you know, what was in mind in, at, the, at the onset of the program, but it, it gave me the chance to, to, to paint, you know, which I, I never would have thought I would be doing. So, Forrest, you keep talking about creative permission and how it is essential in a company. Do you feel that there was maybe certain, I would say, personal change that you saw among your colleagues or how the fact that they started to create art, how they respond to that? Because when I was in, in your office, I think I came at around 9 p.m. at night and people like, it seems like I'm in a house of a family, not in a company. There were a group of people, some of your colleagues playing music, some of them playing the video game, some of them uh, were eating over there. It was 9 p.m. and we were there on in San Francisco and it kind of felt like a very, very good vibe. And obviously, in order to have a good vibe, you need to have a good individuals. And I'm asking, kind of interested to know how the presence of you and the other artists, and in a second, we will speak about those other artists and maybe how you develop it, influence your colleague. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty heavy, that's a lot, of, lot to that question. And to the point of you came and visited and it was late at night and there were still people working and taking breaks from work to be social. That's really proof that at this situation, we had a lot of people that one wanted to be at work to do the mission driven work. And there was definitely a, a beautiful social connection that was maybe not inspired by the art, but it was definitely the art is an additive to that mix. Some people congregate around the keg. Some people congregate around the coffee. Some people congregate around the cookies. Some people congregate around the conversation. You know, I created a situation where people could congregate around the artwork. They were surrounded by artwork in the space. I create very good 
artwork. I'm happy to say that. And I surround the people with that artwork. So by creating the common conversation of the art is also a part of the cultural aesthetic, I have to work super hard to curate that and know that I can't take total credit for the culture, but I can take credit for it looking the way it did. And people also had the artwork that I made on their shirts and on the posters and on their desks and tattoos of the artwork that I was making. So it went all the way to under the skin. As an art director of the company, I had to push to put art everywhere, not just on spaceships, not just talk about it, but I had to prove that it was valuable too and get people involved in feeling that proof. You know, it's a fine line between like, is this a quantifiable thing? or did it just feel right? And it has always felt right. And there's always people that aren't willing to see the value of why you'd have an artist. But yeah. when people get involved and you get their family involved and you really change the way that they value their human experience when they're part of that company, you know, I think that's what a company wants. It wants its employees to feel valued. It wants its perspective hires to be inspired when they come. It wants to have retention of their veterans to have pride in where they work and create a brand that they can brag about and align with and have feel good about showing up, you know? Yeah, totally. At this, there, there wasn't assholes at this company. There was a lot of good people and I had nothing to do with hiring, but I really appreciated the fact that they didn't hire jerks and that helps. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know, I always say there is no such thing innovative and creative companies. There are only innovative and creative people that build those companies or people that understand this important and create the environment for it to grow. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the fact that Robbie hired you as the number 24, 25th employee into a startup of a space shows the, the vision of, of a founder. So fast forward the uh, five years, you created the artist in residence. Actually, you expanded it, moved from you creating art to cross collaboration with other artists. How many artists you had overall in your uh, artist in residence program of Planet? Yeah, after five years, we had 15 artists that had been part of the alumni roster. And it was amazing to have worked with such a diverse group of artists as the company grew through theme from a space company really focused on satellites and hardware to a software company delivering pictures of the whole earth every day, that transition really was mirrored in the theme and the subject matter that each artist would choose to, to do and the conversations that they would have. I don't have every answer of, of how art will win the day, but I can say, hey, if you give me permission to try, I will provide an artist and I will provide the set and setting so that artists can share their work and inspire the team. We had lectures, we had classes, we went out on field trips and had adventures. I had the artists set up in the common space so the audience could watch the art being made and have impromptu day-to-day -day conversations with the pieces as they're being made. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing a very stringent and hermetic and sterile space turn into a more abstract and weird and unique space. I always said that the artist in residence program was awesome, was unique, and was awkward. Yeah. And it's all of those things 
be it's awkward because what do you think is going to happen when you introduce an a traditional artist or painter or illustrator to a aerospace engineer you don't expect it to work but you see that the common thread between those things is passion and is the ability to show up and finish strong and when you see wow there's an artist that just had a crazy challenge and made their giant painting really ugly for a long time and then at the last 20 percent pulled that piece that was wild and ugly and energetic into something gorgeous and finalized the piece to be glorious or interesting or wild that's the exact same situation that if someone making code struggles and struggles and struggles and then they press ship and then the code works perfectly you know it's never beautiful always and it's in that challenge to create that beauty or that to nail the intention that's when the interesting things happen you know it's between the shipping things that is super interesting yeah in the limbo yeah so you took actually all your experience and now you are actually doing it in google ai quantum department in santa barbara the uh, tantalizing promise of quantum computers is that they can do certain tasks exponentially faster than classical machines and i wonder why quantum computing scientists want to have an artist next to them I don't really see a difference. I don't know the ins and outs of aerospace nor quantum science and AI. So to me, it's just another amazing challenge. Where can I put my art next? What team can I work with next to help humanity in my own community? And I may not change the world, but I want to work with like-minded individuals who want to be mission-driven. So why quantum computing? Well, the manager, the director of the quantum computer computing program at Google came to me and he said hey I'm building out a team I'm building out a space I would love for you to be part of this I heard that you do have done great work in aerospace we are creating a new laboratory I'm doing giant murals for this laboratory we are creating collateral for the team to wear and to be surrounded by so they step into this new laboratory with the inspiration the duende the awe of wow This is a space where I'm inspired to work to do my best work, to show up as a human and to, and to bring my magic. And we're also creating beautiful, large, fine art pieces that will go around every single quantum computer, every quantum engine that's made. And what that means, that's kind of an abstract idea, like what does it mean to put art on a quantum computer? Well, I will share the photographs that Eric Lucero has taken of these quantum computers to show you that Inherently, these machines are beautiful. They look like steampunk jellyfishes hanging upside down in the industrial racks made of gold and platinum and silver and copper and bronze with tendrils and wires going to these quantum chips where they're manipulating electrons. It's absolutely wild to look at. But yeah, I, I saw the photo and it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah totally. When Eric reached out to me and he... proposed that we collaborate he said we as quantum physicists are speaking the language of nature and you Forrest Stearns drawing pictures of all of these amazing wild places and things that inspire you you are drawing the language of nature Forrest I want to give the listeners opportunity because you know I took the time also to speak with Eric and I asked him why did you choose to work with an artist why did you choose Forrest and I want you to hear what he had to say nice Hey Eric, 
Can you introduce yourself quickly? Sure, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. My name is Eric Lucero. I am a quantum research scientist at Google, and I lead Google's quantum computing service. Great. And Eric, we will have you on our show for a much longer uh, conversation when we will talk about quantum computing and art and your photography uh, experience. I want to ask you quickly, what is the value of having an artist in a quantum computing scientist-based department? Uh, it's a wonderful question. And I would say that this is an important part of the way that we are tasked in our job here at Google to really invent the future and to have the kind of innovative minds together with an artist. I think that is an important part of just bringing that together, both artists and scientists shoulder to shoulder into the laboratory together. I would say that just the, the kinds of networks and communication that have happened because of that Boris coming on site, painting with uh, the, you know, the engineers and scientists together brought different kinds of, you know, collaborations and just different conversations that would otherwise wouldn't have existed. And then, of course, we have this really great product at the end of that as well, which is a beautified space, an inspiring space that everyone on the team remembers when Forrest was there painting with them, but also is inspired to think about what we're going to be building together. So... Uh, it's hard to put exactly what that value is, but I see it impactful across the team. So, Forrest, I want to go back to the, your relationship with Eric. How does it feel to work with a person like Eric? He's the lead production quantum hardware at Google. He's a research uh, staff. He do a lot of things in this department. Eric is amazing. He is one of my heroes. He came to me and said, hey, do you want to work in quantum? And I said, hey, that sounds awesome. What is quantum? He sent me photographs that he took of his dilution refrigerators that they were building. His photography is wonderful. He won me over because he is a great photographer and he eloquently tells the story of why quantum computing connects with nature, why it's important, and why his team would want to be more creative in their quests to have solutions. You know, it's, it's no new thing that science needs to innovate to go anywhere new, any, anywhere further, that science needs to innovate to go to the next level. So around every quantum computer, I'm painting large fine art pieces that are 10 feet wide and four feet tall of landscapes of Uh, world heritage sites, UNESCO sites from around the world. Imagine walking into a quantum computing lab where all of the machines are covered in beautiful landscape paintings. And you're surrounded by giant walls with big abstracted murals on them that speak the language of nature. You know, that's the vision. Forrest, we are getting into our uh, end of our conversation. And I want to kind of uh, finish with maybe one question that I'm interested in. And I want to ask you, what is the role of the artist, in your opinion? I think the role of the artist, in my humble opinion, is to illuminate ideas. The idea itself is amorphous and abstract and ethereal and elusive. An artist takes these ideas and puts them on paper, so then it creates a solid piece, an artifact for other people to study. The role of the artist, in my opinion, that I want to be the role of the artist, 
is to be help be the storyteller helping the people who are creating awesome things who are doing great things who are being good humans to tell their stories to put them down forever and make them accessible to others you know these entrepreneurs that we work with these visionary scientists that we work with these venture capitalists these teachers that we work with we all are trying to tell a story and the artists have this way of doing it and i feel that illustration is one of the most honest ways to work and collaborate with people because it's a direct conversation and it's honest you know if you make it that way and my kid is a much better artist than i am because she gets down and she's able to draw things straight from the top of her head and say this is this dad look at this yeah. story and i'm like Oh, that's all, amazing. All the, all the pictures magic. that you are sending me are beautiful. I mean, if you would like, we can share this as well on our website. So beautiful. Yeah. Amazing yeah. to see and what she drew when she was four. My daughter is living that as well. Before she was three years old, she had her first art show in San Francisco of Giant Works. And now she's going to be six next month. Amazing. She's a little, <laughs> she leans in as an artist. She's fearless. And, you know, I want to say, let's all be fearless with art. Let's all let our six-year-old self step up to the canvas and and let's not say i can't draw let's say what can i draw next and can i draw with you forrest i think it's a beautiful message to uh, end our conversation i think you touched in so many uh, interesting aspects that every a business leader or at least every business leader that think about the future of his company should think about the community about the culture about putting a vision about uh, taking the leap about Stepping into the unknown by creating different uh, intersections, um, allowing different conversations, so many important things that I see them relevant in every aspect of the business. You are such an inspiration for me at least, and I'm positive for many other people, uh, Forrest. I want to say big thanks for taking the time to uh, speak with me today. And our listener, thank you for joining us. Everything you want to see about the work of Forrest will be available on our website, obviously with the links to his uh, TED Talk, his website, and many other things. Forrest, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Nir, for trusting the power of art and seeing its value. And I'm honored to be here in this social distance context. What a wonderful and weird and surreal world that we live in. What a wonderful time to be alive. Thank you, Forrest. Have a great day back in Oakland, Yosemite, San Francisco, wherever you are now. Peace. Thank you for joining us for the last episode of this season. I want to say big thanks to all the wonderful people who contributed to this episode and took their precious time to speak with me. Thanks, Cyrus Foster, Brian Montero, Ben Heldman, Eric Lucero, Joe Mascaro, Tao Shea and Andrew Zoli. These wonderful conversations will be released as bonus tracks in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. Few words for ending this year. It seems like a relief to say bye-bye 2020 and welcome 2021. Whether you are listening to me on the way to your family home or friends, or even if you are alone, I want to thank you, our listeners, for choosing us, sharing our podcast, writing to us and telling us how you feel about this podcast. It's your comments, feedback, and encouragements that keep us going. This year taught us great lessons. We saw how life can stop and stand still, but at the same time, bring so many changes. We learned how important human contact is, 
how suddenly hugging became a privilege and planning for next months became long-term thinking. Art is vital to our being. Can you imagine this year without books, music, movies, or poetry? I certainly can't. As the German painter Gerhard Richter said, art is the highest form of hope. We will be back in the first quarter of 2021. We are working very hard on the new season, interviewing exciting speakers whose experiences, thoughts, and tips will keep helping you develop your skills you need to grow your innovative thinking, and more importantly, adopt the artistic mindset. If you are looking for a present for friends, family, or colleagues, and find this podcast valuable, why not share it? I will definitely be grateful. And if you can, just leave a review and a rating. It really helps to get to a wider audience. This episode was mixed and mastered by our dear Daniel Duran. You can subscribe to the Artians podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our previous shows are available on our website, www.theartian.com slash podcast. Each episode includes show notes, guest recommendations, videos, and other materials. We can also be found on our LinkedIn page, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, TikTok as well. You can reach us via email at podcast at theartian.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Have a great start for 2021. I will be waiting here for you for the next episode of the Artian Podcast with me, Nir Hindi. Thank you.